Good afternoon, and thank you for being here for this, this celebration of life service for, for Virginia Elson. A uh, couple of things I wanted to note. I know several of you have traveled a long distance to be here this afternoon, and so the family wanted to especially acknowledge you and your effort to be here and the, the length you traveled. I know as well several, several of you are joining us online, and so if you're joining us online, we want to thank you for taking the time to be part of this service for that as well. After the service, we will go over to. You're invited to head over to the Writers Center here in town and for a uh, meal. Along those lines, there will be no kind of open mic time during this service, but there will be a time for sharing over at the Writers Center. So, the family would like to invite you to just kind of collect your thoughts, anything you may want to share during that meal. They just invite you to to come be part of that and to um, yeah share with them kind of remembrances of Virginia. With that. Would you pray together with me? Father, we, we praise you for the work you did through Virginia's life and for all that you accomplished for your glory through her. We get a chance to remember that here today as we remember all that she, she did for you. Our prayer, our hope is that you would be glorified as, as we think about all that she did for you, that it would bring you glory, that you would be honored today. Praise in Jesus' name, amen. With that, I'm going to turn over to the great grandkids here.
you have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Virginia Culver Elson slipped quietly away to her eternal home in the presence of Jesus Saturday evening, January 23rd, surrounded by her children and family at her beloved Northwoods home. Known as Mom to 13, Grandma to 40, and Great Grandma to 63, she was affectionately known as Aunt Ginny to hundreds over four generations now scattered around the world. Born to Eleonora and Andrew Clinton Culver in Hartford, Connecticut on November 20th, 1920, she was filled and blessed with faith-filled, attentive parents. Growing up in Hartford, she enjoyed summers at the family's rustic cabin in the Berkshire Mountains where she loved to fish and pick berries. Her lifelong love of animals was kindled in Briar where the postmaster supplied her with a kitten each summer. Because of her inquisitive mind, her parents pointed her to Wheaton College in Illinois, where she thrived in the chemistry program and attracted the undivided attention of classmate John Elson. Though a chemical reaction was in motion by their graduation in 1942, they temporarily went separate ways. They were married in West Hartford, Connecticut in 1944, after Virginia completed a master's in chemistry at Rutgers University while John was attending Northwestern University Medical School in Chicago. Virginia worked in the labs at Continental Can in Chicago Lion Inn Hospital until their first child was born. While living in a basement studio apartment in downtown Chicago, the call for housing for missionaries at the annual Moody Church Missions Conference provided an opportunity that changed their lives. John came home with two army surplus cots, and they took in two missionaries for the week. That decision set in motion a pattern and a passion that expanded throughout their lives. Virginia also determined that life as an only child, though pleasant, was not the home that she wanted. Two boys were born and a third on the way when they moved out of their basement apartment to Evanston in 1949, where John established a medical practice. Virginia's aptitude for ordered reactions translated into household management and cooking. Twin girls were born in 1951. Two more girls, age 10 and 14, moved in while their mother finished nursing school, and all three quickly became a permanent part of the family. Missionaries and their families found a warm welcome under the busy roof. 
It was clear that John and Virginia's modest home was not large enough for its growing crowd. In God's providential timing, a formerly elegant mansion around the corner became affordable. Mom moved the kitchen, and the rest of the family did their part with wagons, suitcases, boxes, and automobiles. Virginia brought four more children into the world at Eleanor Place, accompanied by numerous foster children and an adopted son. Virginia's father joined the family in 1957 when the sudden death of his wife altered his retirement plans. Grandpa Culver became an indispensable presence in every facet of family life until his death in 1977. Virginia's Aunt Irma also spent the last four years of her life in Virginia's care. Missionary families on furlough, unwed mothers, missionary children needing a place for high school in the U.S., international students, all found a place in the Olson home, some for days, some for weeks, months, and even years. Under her supervision, the children straightened their beds every day, set dining tables, served meals, washed dishes, ironed their own clothes, and on Sunday, a special dinner was held in its own event with china dishes, formal glassware, and a sumptuous feast with Grandpa Culver's fruit salad, finishing with coffee. College presidents sat across from the homeless, missionaries or university students from countries with exotic names mingled with neighborhood kids. There were never less than 20 and occasionally more than 30 at the tables and always room for one more. December found Virginia and Grandpa in the kitchen making hundreds of decorated fruitcakes for family, friends, neighbors, and teachers. The children helped with decorating and wrapping. On Christmas night, the family caroled throughout the neighborhood, musical instruments and all, handing out the fruitcakes and celebrating the good news of the Christ child's birth. While her family kept her in constant motion, Virginia found time to work at Moody Church with the two- and three-year-olds, and she and John led the college and career club. For many years, she served on the Dewey School PTA and on the Evanston Township High School Combined Studies Committee. Dewey School teachers looked forward to the annual luncheon she hosted for them. She enjoyed reading to her children and parlayed that pleasure into recording books on tape for ETHS students with reading disabilities. In 1969, Virginia and John were able to purchase the empty White Buck Lodge in Three Lakes, Wisconsin. The lodge building itself was not habitable for a number of years, but that first year, Virginia set up housekeeping with her family in the outbuilding on the property for a Thanksgiving weekend with no running water or plumbing, 18 inches of snow, and single-digit temperatures. The lodge became home away from home whenever school was out. It also became a getaway for countless friends of all ages, missionaries, groups from the inner city, international students, and assorted organizations. Aunt Ginny managed to find a place and a bed for them all. What was the driving force motivating and energizing this extraordinary but unassuming lady? As a sinner saved by grace, she lived with an uncomplicated trust in the Jesus of the Bible and took his exhortation to serve and care for others seriously. As she did what she could, God would do his part and supply the resources, 
and the energy to complete the task. She found fulfillment and joy in serving. As a young mother, she enjoyed ice skating and sledding with her children in the winter and picnicking and water activities in the summer. But as she grew older, the hours walking her dog, preparing meals, and folding laundry were occupied with prayer. Maybe that's why she knew the names and ages of all her 100-plus grandchildren and great-grandchildren. She prayed for them every day. She knew the status of the hundreds of names in her address book, which she updated and prayed for even at age 100. Her absence will leave an unfillable hole in our lives, but we celebrate an amazing life devoutly and consistently lived, her entrance into heavenly realms, and the approval of the God she loved. Today we gather to celebrate Virginia's life, but if she were here, she would immediately correct us. No, we're here to worship. We're here to worship our Creator, the one true God. In fact, leaving nothing to chance or whim, she planned all the pieces of this service. Her children were trusted simply with fitting those pieces together. At the time we typed her wishes into the computer, there were familiar scriptures, classic hymns, beautiful melodies. But as we experience them today, I think you'll get an ordered glimpse of Virginia's heart for God and God's heart for us. Today, Virginia is in the presence of Jesus, experiencing the fullness of life that we now see only by faith. But we can join her in the next hour as we offer ourselves back to our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as we worship in spirit and in truth. Amen. This is one of Grandma's mom's favorite psalms. She had it memorized. I won't try to do that by heart right now. I have have an anchor, but I, I think that Grandma may be singing that right now. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations.
Psalms 34, I will exalt the Lord at all times. His praise and will, his praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted here rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from my all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angels of the Lord, he camps around, and those who, with who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord and you in his Fear the Lord and you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him.
Psalm 19, the works and word of God. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth like a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hidden from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them, let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer.
shortly after Virginia passed away, I, I sat with, with Andrew and with Paul, and I just sat and listened that they shared so many remembrances of Virginia. And I just remember being like, blown away by like, so many of the things they shared, so much of her legacy, right? many of the things you heard Andrew read in the obituary. But of all the things they said, there was this one series of statements they made that really stood out to me. They said three things in quick succession. They said that Virginia was first all in for the gospel. Second, that she modeled a life of following Christ. And third, that she inspired others to follow him. And as they shared that, as they said that, my mind went to Philippians 3. I just struck by how much of what we read in that chapter is reflected in what they said about Virginia. And so this morning I just want to read a little bit of that chapter to us and then reflect on a few of the things that we read there. The Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 7, we read this. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and turning forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those who are mature think this way. And if any, if anything you think, if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So Virginia was, in the words of Andrew and Paul, like all in for the gospel. And Paul, the apostle, the author of Philippians, says more or less the same thing here. And when he says in verse 8, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul says, I count everything as loss compared to knowing Jesus. Everything else this world has to offer is rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. That's, that's all in. And Virginia's life is a testament to the, to the fact that she agreed with the Apostle Paul. She, like the Apostle Paul, knew that the gospel of Jesus Christ was the one and only message worth giving her life fully to. And that's, a, that's a big statement, right? That, that everything else is rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. 
that this message is worth going all in for? Like what kind of message could be worth so much? What is this gospel message that Virginia was all in for? If it is indeed a message that she was all in for, then it seems that there could be no better way to honor her this morning than to make sure that everyone gathered here knows and hears this message. And the Apostle Paul gives a good summary of it in verses 9 through 11. And Paul says that he wants to be found in Jesus, not having a righteousness of his own that come from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. It's a righteousness from God that depends on faith. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. It's a gospel message, right? It's that everyone, you and I and Virginia and the Apostle Paul, like we're all sinners. Because of that, we're, we've all fallen short of God's moral standard and we deserve eternal death. But that Jesus, because of his great love for us, came to earth and he lived a sinless life. That after his sinless life, he was put to death on the cross. And on that cross, he died the death you and I deserve to die for our sins. And that through faith in Christ, through our believing in him, Paul says we can receive our righteousness that is not our own. That we can receive the righteousness of Christ. When we trust in Jesus, right? God treats Jesus as if he lived our sinful life and treats us as if we live the sinless life that Jesus lived. He gives us the righteous life of Jesus. And because of that, our relationship with God is restored and everyone who has faith in Jesus will experience eternal life. Everyone who trusts that Jesus died for them will, in the words of Paul, attain the resurrection of the dead. That's the reason why like your bulletin today calls it a, a celebration of life. Right? It can be a celebration because even though Virginia is no longer with us here now on earth, her faith made her confident that this life is not the end of the story. She right now is in the presence of her incredible Savior in heaven. And that one day he will return in Virginia and everyone who have placed their faith in him will live forever with him in the new heavens and the new earth. That's the message that Virginia was all in for. That's the message that makes Jesus far greater than anything else this world has to offer. And I know for any of you who are here who haven't trusted Jesus, more than anything, Virginia would want you to trust that message. And believing that message, God guided how Virginia lived her life having trusted in the gospel, having gone all in for the gospel, Virginia then modeled what it meant to live a life of following Christ. It's one of the great ironies of the Christian life that only when we acknowledge that we can't earn God's favor by our good deeds are we free to live a life that truly honors God and is obedient to Jesus. In the passage we read, Paul says, only let us hold true to what we have we have attained. Jesus, by his perfect, sinless life, has already attained eternal life for us. And having trusted in Jesus, 
the Christian's goal is to hold true to that gift by following after Him. And that's what Virginia did so well. She modeled a life of following Christ. Whether it was through the remarkable hospitality she showed to, to missionaries and the people coming into her home for dinner throughout the years. Whether it's working with two and three year olds at Moody Church. Whether it was discipling her own kids and the fruit of that legacy we see here now. Or whether it was in her later years that legacy of a fervent prayer life for so many people. And all that she did, Virginia modeled a life of following after Jesus. And that life of following after Jesus not only blessed the people she was serving, but it also inspired other people to follow Christ as well. The Apostle Paul again puts it this way, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. Just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. And at first glance, that can be a seem like kind of a brash thing to say. Like, follow my example. Use me as a model. But what Paul and Virginia both understood is that if there was anything in them that was worth emulating, it was only there because of the work of Jesus in their life. Jesus is ultimately the one who is worth emulating. But insofar as Virginia or Paul was following Jesus, they were worth following and emulating as well. I've had the opportunity to hear several stories of the way that Virginia impacted the lives of the people around her. Then there were people gathered here this afternoon as a testimony to the spiritual legacy that she had left. And so today, and in the days, and the weeks, and the months ahead, as each of you remembers Virginia, let this be her lasting legacy. That is, you remember how she was all in for the gospel. And you remember how she modeled a life of following Christ. Would you let her life continue to inspire you to follow after the same Jesus? Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for the life of Virginia. We praise you for the lives of so many saints who have modeled well what it looks like to be obedient to you. And above all, we praise you for the work of Jesus who saves us from the penalty for our sins. We praise you for the life of Jesus that Virginia followed and emulated so well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
as a reminder, the family invites you to join them following the service over at the Writers' Center for a meal. If you need directions for that, there's some slips in the back that give you directions over to the Writers' Center. They'll start serving the meal about a half an hour from now. They'll go to kind of serve that meal quickly, so there's plenty of time for the sharing and remembering. So in the, in the passage we read, Paul writes, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Virginia has finished her race and won her prize. So as you go from here, inspired by Virginia's life, to press on toward the goal of following Christ for as many days as God gives you. You are dismissed. Thank you.